This is Healthcare Strategies. This podcast was recorded remotely due to the coronavirus pandemic. As a result, the quality may be a little lower than our usual standards. We appreciate your patience as we practice social distancing. From all of us at Intelligent Healthcare Media, stay healthy, stay safe, and enjoy the latest episode of Healthcare Strategies. Hi, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Jessica Kent, an editor for Health IT Analytics. Today, we're talking to David Rellman, MD, professor of microbiology at Stanford University and member of the Standing Committee on Emerging Infectious Diseases and 21st Century Threats at the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine. In today's episode, we're talking about the need to collect genomic data on COVID-19. Welcome to the podcast, David. How are you? Good, thank you. It's a pleasure to join you. So as the virus that causes COVID-19 continues to mutate, why is it so important for the U.S. to genetically sequence infections? There's a really wonderful quote that I think about often, especially this past year. It was spoken by the late Joshua Letterberg, who was a, a very well-known geneticist and wonderful biologist. He had two Nobel Prizes many years ago. When Josh Letterberg began to think and write about emerging infectious diseases, he said the following, it's really a battle of their genes versus our wits. And by that he meant that what a microbe has going for it is its ability to evolve and, and try lots of genetic variations on a theme very quickly because microbes grow quickly and replicate frequently and are able to try lots of different mutations as possible future strategies and blueprints. Meanwhile, we as humans are not so good at replicating quickly, you know, on the order that microbes do, but what we have going for us potentially are our brains, our wits. And and so on this particular issue, what I think we have to consider is whether we are using our wits as best we're able to counter the microbes genes. And so to, to answer your question, the reason why this is so important is because when a, when a virus evolves, it potentially changes its properties. And we don't know that for sure until we first are able to observe the new genome sequence, the new variation, the new evolved form at the level of its blueprint, which is what the genome is, so that we can then test whether our predictions about the properties of this new variant are real or not, and what they might mean. And just to make this very concrete, right now, what we're facing is an evolving virus that's causing millions and millions of cases of human disease. And there's a distinct possibility that this virus is changing its ability to spread, to cause disease, to cause a particular form of disease, to affect certain subsets of our population, and to otherwise evolve in directions that we, we won't know anything about until we open our eyes, so to speak, and take a look at what it's doing. So why has the US lagged behind other countries in genetic surveillance of COVID-19? It's a great question. It can't be because the US lacks the 
capabilities or the competencies or the interest. It can't be any of those three things. I think it has to do with the fact that we have not organized ourselves appropriately nor prioritized this effort in a way that would have led to the proper leadership structure and coordinating function and resource allocation, all of which is equally necessary alongside the competency and capabilities and interest. Mm -hmm. So how can the country overcome those issues? Well, I think first we have to decide collectively that this is an issue which is of great importance and priority to our well-being. It, it is in fact um, the eyes of a system that seeks to both understand and better our public health. In this way, the eyes are the, the means of seeing the infectious agent which is causing this pandemic and seeing it in a way that informs us as to its possible properties and behavior and evolution and future trajectory. So if we were to decide that this is, as described, a really important priority and, and purpose, then I think we would undertake this in a different way. We would say, first, let's develop a national strategy for pursuing the, the genomic surveillance of this or any future infectious agent. And second, let's develop a leadership plan for this process because in, in the United States, we have many, many brilliant creative scientists, but they tend to operate on their own. And for this kind of enterprise, you have to be coordinated. You have to be organized and integrated into one holistic system for a whole bunch of reasons we can talk about. So the second thing you would do is you would have a leadership plan and then you would allocate the resources to make sure that the strategy can be pursued and that everyone is properly organized and coordinated and informed and that the information that's being generated flows back in a coherent format. So how has the pandemic accelerated the integration of genomic data and everyday clinical care? That's a good question. I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not sure it has yet. Let me put it this way. I think what this pandemic has demonstrated in very clear terms, I hope, is the importance of doing this and doing it, it widely and really investing resources in this kind of enterprise. I don't think we've yet seen what we can learn from doing this optimally, at least what we can learn in the United States. Other nations like Britain, where genome sequencing is far more extensive, they have been able to get a jump on the virus. They were able to see that a new variant was emerging much earlier in the process than we are able to see here in the United States. Right now, we're relatively blind. We literally do not know where exactly these variants are in the United States. The only places that we can, that we can see, uh, the only places that, that you, know, um, you might consider that we're, we have a street light under which to look are the places where there's already an academic interest in sequencing clinical samples 
or a particular public health department that made a commitment to helping in that kind of work. But otherwise, we're, we're just operating in the, in the dark. Most of the United States has no street light near it. And so we just simply can't peer into that darkness at all. We could have variants arising and spreading right under our noses without knowing it. So, so I think we still have a ways to go, but we have examples from other nations and examples from local, very specific efforts here in the United States that tell us, hey, you could learn a lot that is, that is both scientifically important, but maybe more importantly, very practically uh, important for public health and clinical care. So beyond the current pandemic, how will a national genomic epidemiology data infrastructure improve healthcare? I think there are lots of ways, but you know, first we have to be clear with ourselves and with the public who would be paying for such an infrastructure, what it is that we really expect to be able to learn from collecting these sorts of data. And so to, to be you know, clear with ourselves, I think we have to realize that it's not just collecting the data. It's not just sequencing a bunch of viruses or a bunch of samples. It's also collecting the other kinds of data with which we need to integrate the viral genome sequence data in order to understand it. And by that, I mean the clinical data on the patients from whom the samples came the epidemiologic features of the cases and the population from which the patients are found, from which the samples came. And, and then we have to make sure that the data are being generated and shared using a uniform set of, of rules so that the data from Dayton, Ohio, can be compared to the, Dayton, to the data from Dallas, Texas. Because otherwise, we end up falling back into this old way of parochial, local, scientific, and public health enterprise, which is fine at some levels, but just completely misses the boat when we want to do something that is much more expansive and far-reaching on the level of the nation. Mm -hmm. So to summarize, we need to be doing this as best we know how, which means collecting all the right kinds of data and standardizing it and sharing it properly. And then we need to let the public know that what we could be able to, to learn and predict about this or any future pandemic is the possible future path, the, the, the future evolutionary path of the infectious agent. Where is it now? What is it capable of doing? And where is it heading? in terms of its own evolutionary fate and its own properties. Because then we could know that, well, right now, this is largely a, a pulmonary, a lung disease, but it looks like it's taking on some features that maybe are more likely to cause liver disease or heart disease or brain disease. And that's the kind of thing that we can predict or begin to understand at least from the genome sequence of an infectious agent. And there are lots of other very practical questions like that and, and applications that we can learn from this kind of effort. So it's immensely important, but we have to start by doing it right. So how can experts ensure that genomic data on COVID-19 or any other disease 
is representative of all patient populations. Individual scientists and public health officials have a hard time being able to capture a truly representative sampling of any large population, because to do that requires oversight and coordination and a much larger vantage point from which to understand all of the sources of variability and heterogeneity in a population. At a state level, um, public health officials and, and scientists can design strategies that would sample in a representative way across a state. But if your interest is in a nation, then this oversight and coordinating function has to operate at the level of, of the entire nation. It has to be a federal oversight system and leadership plan that can truly plot out a representative sampling. And, and that's, that's a really important thing to be doing. We have a tendency to assume that a sampling effort was representative when in fact it really wasn't and, and we never really examined it closely for whether it was, but we do know how to do this. Public health and epidemiologists have, have studied and understood what it means to be representative of a given population They've been studying that for, for many, many years. And, and so I think we just need to, to get together and, and pull our collective expertise and, and insight together in one place and say, okay, how do you do this on a truly broad national level? Well, thank you so much, David, for your time today. It's been my pleasure. How do you think genomic data can advance the industry's understanding of COVID-19? Share this episode on Twitter, tag Health IT Analytics, and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening. This has been an Intelligent Healthcare Media production.